thank you guys for listening to another episode of Geeks of the Machine Gifted Edition. It's another for us since we were already recorded this, but it's a first for you, so we're going to pretend that we didn't. I'm your host, Jasmine, and today we have Adelaide as a co-host. Hello, Adelaide. Hey, Jasmine. And Michelle as a guest host. Hello, Michelle. You have all of my contempt. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you for those lovely comments, Michelle. So, today we are talking about Season 2, Episode 1 emergence apparently all of us thought it was re-emergence pretty sure it was initially but it like unilaterally changed sometime between the last time we recorded this and this recording yeah it was everybody else not us yeah everybody else else on the planet (laughs) exactly so thank you for listening to re-emergence um and since we started with re-emergence let's start with the strucker family and reed's power suddenly re-emerging which is stupid, and I hated it. Is they it were... re-emerging, or is it emerging? I well, think that's why it's called emergence, because yeah. it's starting to emerge the first time, and yeah. none of us paid attention when it wasn't. <laughs> um, I don't, like I said, I don't care about it. Like, he just gets crackhead veins, and I was good. What, uh, what, well, hmm. I was gonna say, this is so weird having this conversation twice, but... <laughs> I just don't like the fact that they're giving him powers. I think it's a cop out. They should have just kept it where the, the I wish they would have kept the dynamic the family had originally, but just built upon it instead of just getting rid of it entirely. Agreed. It was ridiculous. Like his whole premise was that he didn't have powers. And I appreciated the fact that he didn't. The problem with that was that he couldn't relate to his children. Like him and his wife, they were outside looking in. Except he had a unique perspective because his powers were taken from him and it wasn't his choice. So in order for them to take away that major plot point of his character, just to, I don't know, I don't care what his powers are. He doesn't need to have powers. This was stupid. Adelaide? I agree. I felt like it it doesn't matter to him to have powers. It doesn't matter if he's now... And first of all, you're going to have to really explain the really odd timing of it, because this is just weird to me. Um, But it also, like, it doesn't make sense. He doesn't need them, because at this point, he's already grown. He's lived his life without them. And I guess they want him to relate to his kids more, but isn't the whole point of, like, teen conflict and, like, how parents can't relate to kids that they're going through? I don't understand. I don't know why they made this choice. I want to know, oh, I'm sorry. I was just, I just want to say something. I want to know what caused him to get his powers back. Like, That's what I was actually about to say. Oh, well, we're on the same wavelength. (laughs) (laughs) Um, That that I am curious about. Well, they're trying to angle it like every time he gets upset or angry. It's a defensive mechanism. But my problem with that is. hmm. So he's the hawk now. Well, my problem, well, it's also when he's like stressed out about his family. My problem is that you're telling me in his whole life after his powers, like we're suppressed, he's never experienced these feelings. He's a lawyer. He's a lawyer. (laughs) He has absolutely experienced extreme stress and like, yeah, no, he's absolutely experienced this. There's no way he wouldn't have hulked out in the middle of a freaking trial. (laughs) But my question to you guys is how do you think 
down the line, this is going to change the story? Like, will it be him against his wife now that he understands more? Or is he going to put himself in isolation because it's a new experience for him? Like, where do you picture them taking this? Well, personally, I feel like this will be the end of me watching this series. Wow. Uh, Because this was stupid and it bothered me. Like, I am, after Once Upon a Time, I've realized that I am done, like, hate-watching <laughs> shows. Like, let I will ex- know. Let me explain something to everyone. I wanted to stop watching Once Upon a Time after the first season we ever did an episode on it. Like, maybe not even the first season. I want to say halfway through. I actually quit the first time we did it then. I was like, I'm done. I hate this. And then Jasmine, Jasmine guilted me into coming back, so we did it again. And it just kept happening. Like, she loved being tortured for eight months out of the year. I just don't get it. And no, now it you're was about, no, it was about my commitment to the audience. I thought that you guys needed to hear us finish it out. And, and secondly, I thought the show would get canceled a lot earlier than that. <laughs> Same, honestly. The first two <laughs> best seasons were one and two. And after that, it was just a downward spiral. Um, But, like, I will no longer do that. Like, I appreciate you guys. I love you guys. You guys are awesome. But I am no longer going to hate watch a show. I don't think... This keeps... I don't think that's what people want. I think people enjoy more that you enjoy a show than hate watching it. Well, I think that people... Well, first of all, I like to com- finish what I'm starting. And that's why I don't like to start a show. Completionist. Not necessarily. Because I, I don't need to pick up everything along the way, as you can hear from some of my recaps. <laughs> But if I start it, I like to get to the end. However, this I feel this show already bothering me with that simple change about Reed that was completely unnecessary and added nothing to the whole story arc. Can I just say my main my main problem with Reed's powers emerging there, I threw the title in. Um, is because it's so coincidentally timed. There's just no, there's no logical explanation for it unless they're gonna be like, "Well, he was around a bunch of mutants. This is why it's now happening." No. Also, oh, basically, it's like periods where they just sync up. And even then, there's not a lot of data for that. <laughs> when you just throw them together, they sync. We don't know why. Women are confusing. Yes, Michelle. I don't have anything to say. <laughs> Not after that statement. <laughs> um, is there anything else that you guys want to say about Reed's new powers or old powers coming back? Awesome. So let's move on to another member of the Strucker family. And we're going to talk about Kate. Kate is the worst parent, the worst mother. And ultimately, she tops Sam as one of the worst characters. Which, if you've listened to my Supernatural podcast, is a very high bar. Um, first of all, she is treating her daughter like a human dousing rod trying to find her son. Everything that she does is about trying to find her son. She's pretending that he got kidnapped versus actually walking away. She is like putting herself in immediate danger to find any lead about her son, even though he left her. Kate is awful. Jasmine, can I ask you a question? Yes. How come you sound so angry? 
After already having this conversation, you like you worked yourself back into a frenzy. My problem is, and this is the thing. (laughs) Well, no, (laughs) we're further away. So I'm thinking more like when we first watched it, it was literally the next day. So I didn't really have time to think about it and process who Kate was, even though I do have in my notes. Oh, I'm lying. I do have some notes. Um, I have in my notes that Kate is a horrible parent. But like, as I'm actually thinking about it, I'm realizing she's an awful person overall. Oh, okay. I I really want to know why you think that. Because one, sibling dynamics is coming into play here. She is making one child more important than another. And eh. this is yeah, and the simple fact that she's in denial about what really happened in the events, and her daughter has to say, "He left us, mom. He didn't like. He doesn't want to be found. If he did, he would find us. We have not like we've been following him around the country, so it's not hard." Um, gosh, I can't stand you right now. You're about to make me defend her. Okay. (laughs) First of all, she's not showing more value to one sibling over the other. It's more or less that one is missing. So you come together as a family to find that one that's missing. Like, that's just normal dynamics overall. Like, if you have a family member, I don't care if it's a cousin or whatever is missing, everybody goes out and search for that person right but if that family member decides they don't want to be a part of this but you have to keep in mind he's a minor he doesn't get to make that decision he's not legally emancipated to do that. technically it's first of all they're felons so i don't know if he even worse no i don't know if he'd be able to go through the process secondly I don't. Either way, he's in some not, states he is a legal adult and can make legal adults. No, he is not in no, no, any no, state in the U.S. In any state in the U.S., he's yeah. not a legal adult. Well, he can have sex legally. That's what matters with other minors. <laughs> like, let's not act like he doesn't have stipulations in place. So, uh, yes, I totally understand her looking at him as someone who was kidnapped because he doesn't have the mental capabilities to make that decision legally or otherwise. So I just like, I'm mad at you for making me defend her, Jasmine. I don't know. I hated her. I hated her character. There's no way you can convince me she's a good parent. Or a good I, oh, no, 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 no. Let, let's be clear. I never said she was a good parent. <laughs> I never said that because I think you're, you're absolutely right in your statement that she is in denial that her son chose to leave. And I said before, once again, this is the second time we had this conversation, guys. I really think that her problem is that she doesn't respect his issues as a child that he's dealing with within that family. So she because doesn't of that, respect his agency? Well, his agency, she doesn't respect the fact that he has problems that they're ignoring. You know what I mean? Like she, I feel like she treats them like objects instead of people with their own thoughts and emotions and feelings sometimes. Mm. Ellie? See, see, I agree. I feel like, and I don't want to defend her either because she's really annoying, but she is, I understand why she would be in denial. And also keep in mind that, you know, they only have two kids and this is her baby. This is the baby one. This is the youngest one. So naturally this is the one that, you know, it's the stupid theory that, you know, baby the youngest one is now the baby and everybody loves it blah 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 uh, i'm an only child casual reminder i've uh, never had that experience and i'm the baby of the family uh, see i they, have friends that are like i definitely am the baby of the family and everybody acts like it 
Oh, no, no, no. They act like it, but they treat me like I can't make thoughts. So, you know what? Oh, me, yeah, yeah. So, like, they're not like, oh, you're you're so amazing. It's more like, Michelle, you don't know anything. Yeah, you don't know anything. You're the youngest one. Like, let me teach you something. See, I've got friends that are the, I've got one that's the oldest, one that's the middle, and then one that's the youngest. And the youngest one is, uh, has always said, oh, yeah, I, I got, I was treated like the baby of the family and the, and, you know, had the spoiling that went along with it. And I'm like, well, yeah, I guess that makes sense. So, like, I can see, if you want to follow that train of thought, I can see why she is so obsessed about finding him. And also, you know, her son is gone. Of course she'd want to find him. And it's absolutely denial. She's not, uh, she's just acting like a mom that doesn't want to admit that her kid is pissed off. Okay, well, let's move on to another Strucker who we are supposed to be caring about this season. Lauren, the daughter who, um, what was her role this season? I mean, this episode. Dowsing Rod? Lauren, was, she has visions now, apparently. So, yeah, Dowsing Rod. Um, and in the vision, she <laughs> she sees Andy and he's like, We're, this is our destiny. We're supposed to like destroy stuff and I'm assuming that this is supposed to be her like trying to rationalize what happens versus like her destiny versus what she chose this makes no sense simply because she wanted the power and Andy didn't I will never get over the fact that they chose to make Andy the one who left to be fair okay they were kind of wishy-washy with the character development in the first season because starting out, Andy was the one who wanted powers and to use them for destructive, well, not destructive means, but um, to use them for his own gain. And she was the one who didn't want to do that. And then I want to say halfway through the season, it flipped where she's like, let's just destroy everything. We're the most powerful. Let's find out about our family history and what we can do. And then Andy was like, no, this is dangerous. We shouldn't use our powers for this. This is wrong. And then at the end, at the very last episode, he's like, you know what? I'm out. I want to use my powers to take over the, not take over the world, but to liberate all mutants uh, the with a more aggressive, you know, stance. So I don't know. They kept going back and forth. So I, I can't really pinpoint whether or not it was strange. I mean, they kind of both kept flipping. I don't know. Ellie. See, that's how I feel too. I feel like they they were so inconsistent with their characters and which one wanted to use the big bad combined powers and which one didn't. And like initially it was Lauren, right? Yes. Yes, yes Lauren. Lauren. Uh, initially it was like, Lauren. Like even in my notes I have Lorna, but it's Lauren. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's bad naming choice, guys. Come yeah. on. Um, even like initially it was her and then it was him and now and then she didn't want to do it and it's just like that's a desperate attempt at conflict and drama that is unnecessary and it only made uh Andy's choice to leave even more like ridiculous see i really thought it was going to be Lauren who would have left <laughs> i love yeah. that we're all like Lauren <laughs> <laughs> you her name, the other one is Lorna, and she left. You can't have both of them on the same team. <laughs> I know. It's really weird. But I really think they um, they should have made her leave if they had to make only one of them leave. I would have expected her to do it 
One, because she's older, like two years older. So she wants to exert her independence too. She is, she's the one who desperately wanted to use her powers to its full capacity at that time. So I'm thinking, hey, you were just got in an argument with mommy and daddy. Why not let it be her? But instead it was Andy out the blue. And I mean, I don't know. It's just weird. And speaking of like the dream that you was talking about that she had, I really hate that blonde hair. Once again, I'm going to bring this up because it was very Children of the Corn-esque. It kind of, it just made it overall creepier. I just, they just should have left them with, um, what's his brunette hair? If anything, they could have darkened her hair. I don't know why both of them had to be like bleach blonde. It's weird. I don't know why they would go bleach blonde. And I, I felt the same way that it was really weird. And it visually, like when they're separated, it's fine. Once they're together, it's really irritating. And I feel like, and I just thought of this, um, the previous, uh, I don't remember the names of the two, uh, like the twins that they had in their family history that were, um, they were, they were twins. Maybe that's what they're trying to get at. They're like, oh crap, we made these two siblings about two years apart. Let's make them look more like twins here. And yeah, that's what they're trying to do. It's really annoying and really. That would be stupid if that's what they're trying to Which do. Which is why I said last season that they should have just made them twins to begin mm -hmm. with. They should have been. Twins. It really Absolutely. two years difference. I mean, come on now. Why make them two years apart? Then I don't think they knew where they were going when they first started the story. I think that's what we're getting at. Probably, like they was just like, here's a story that seems interesting. Hmm. I agree, and I feel like they're trying to backtrack and make them visually twins instead of having that the dark hair and the light hair. Well, and also the dark hair and the light hair was probably a visual of like one is good, one is bad, and they're trying to mar the lines. Or one was one is offensive with the dark hair and one is defensive with the light hair. I love that we're just giving them rope. Like here's some more rope. <laughs> I mean, they already hanged themselves, so. Or hung themselves. So, I, I mean, I'm okay with it. <laughs> um, What else is what happened with Lauren? She is helping out at different uh, shelters. And she's getting information through underground tunnels. Blah, 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 blah. She really was worthless this episode, if we're being honest. She did help in, like, building a fake wall. Like, her power, You uh, considering the fact that it's been six months which they told us at the beginning of this episode. Or one of them, like, dropped it. It's been six months since what happened, and they think we're dead. Um, you would think that she would find better ways to use her power. Why am I saying the same method of use? Okay, before, before I comment on that, I just want to say one thing. I'm so slow. I just realized why they've been capitalizing the M in their titles for mutants. Wow. Okay. Sorry, I just had like a light bulb go off. I know I didn't have to share that. But as far as like her not growing in her powers, I don't really care. Like, I don't think that's the point of it is for them to grow individually. I think the point is for them to grow together. Their powers are pretty much, well, her powers are useless separately. Um, it's Andy who is the stronger one. No, uh, Andy's the one who can cause the most damage. And like I said, I think they're going to focus more on them together than them apart. I don't know. I don't then even why know which one I would prefer. Them? It's weird because her power is obviously defensive. 
So you would think that they would figure out a way for her to capitalize on it. For example, the bowling pin, which we saw her do before. Wouldn't that have been smarter if she can harness that kinetic energy and like push the people back? I would think so. <laughs> like, I don't want to try to validate their choices in this show anymore, honestly. And I'm only on episode one of season two, so this is going to be a fun season, guys. <sighs> um. Anyway, Lauren helps out, um, like stopping raids because she doesn't want to lose any more people. I don't know if she said that. That might be another show, but it was it was stupid. Like she's like, no one else is gonna like. This is the third raid. Um, uh, these people have to be saved, and they only ended up saving like three, I think. Um, something like that. I know that one of them definitely died. <laughs> definitely, that was that was unpleasant to watch. Um, anyway, Michelle, how did you feel about her power and her not saving anyone and being basically worthless without her brother? Uh, what's different? I mean, isn't that how she's always been? Her power is, the last time she really used her power for anything, well, it was just her. The last thing I can remember is her, like, holding the explosion together or something, like, holding the wheels together on a bus. I don't remember. Eh, I don't, whatever. It, it's Lauren. I had to think about her name again. It's Lauren. That's just who she is. <laughs> oh, we're begging the writers. Please make her go by her middle name. This is just, this is stupid at this point. What is her middle name? Because I will start calling her It's not her canon. That. It's probably it's not. Laura. Uh, I will be so mad. I really would. Lauren, Lorna. Lo oh, I did it again. Oh, well. <laughs> well, if her middle name ends up Laura, then I'm going to be very upset. Yeah, I, uh, I don't know. It's bothersome, it's exhausting, and her character was very boring. Yeah. Her power, like, and I think that's the problem that I had. Like, I don't know if you spoke on her power not growing, but it's weird to me that in six months without your brother, you know that he's not there. You're not at least trying to find a way to use your power offensively. Okay, let's be fair. She didn't really get an option to use her power offensively in that moment. But she's also it was, had it for two years more than, at least two years longer than he did. Which is true, but her power is a defensive power. It's like, that's their yin and yang. So you can't really expect her to, her power to suddenly be as powerful as Andy's. And using it in that way. Where, like, Andy's power would not be a defensive ability. He wouldn't be able to use it for defense. Like, right, but defensive abilities, by nature, you are supposed to be able to use them offensively as well, like she did with the hockey puck. I mean, the, the what is it? The bowling pin. We've seen her use it as a force. So you're telling me that at the very least. She, that's not her nature. It, it doesn't matter. If your brother, if you're in a situation where you, like, where you need to defend yourself, it you would want to make your power as possible as, as strong as possible, so that if you have to go on the offensive to get out, you would be able to. So I it, don't disagree with that, but if someone's nature isn't to harm and they don't, they don't want to go against that. They're not. I, I don't think that's who she is. Like, she didn't, her powers didn't manifest until she had to protect her family from a car crash. That was it. 
I, Wait, I really, but even if it's not like even, let's say that she doesn't want to harm anyone, and let's put her back in a scenario where the the brick the wall was. She could have manifested several of those little plates and threw them against the wall to keep it shut like darts. I don't see what that wouldn't hurt anyone. Adelaide? Uh, I was just going to add that, I mean, I didn't want to get into her different powers and how they could or couldn't or shouldn't be used, but the last time, the last couple times we've seen her powers, they've always been, they've been in relation to Andy's and they've been either helping his or they've been like confining his so that his are more potent. And it's actually kind of irritating that that's how we see her and that's how we've seen her the last couple times. And then now we just don't see it. Okay, well, basically we were just acting like season one of Gifted and we were focused on instructors. However, season two, they said that they are going to focus more on other characters. Do you feel that in this episode they focus more on the other characters? Because personally, when I watched this, I was like, this is very Strucker-centric. The Struckers were basically the sun and everyone else was revolving around them. Did you feel any different, Michelle? Um, no. I mean, <laughs> I, oh God, I hate like repeating myself. This is so weird having the same conversation. Um, I don't feel like they made a difference. So they said that they were changing the focus, but also that they were going to, they were changing a focus on which characters would be the highlight of each episode. But they also said that they were going to, change the uh well focused on the character development and of course this is the first episode and maybe we won't be able to see what they're whether or not they're successful in this until maybe halfway through the season but no it felt the same it felt exactly the same we mostly focused on the Shocker family and Lorna and Marcus or Marcos so that's pretty much it and it's that's been the that's been the exact case for the entire first season. The only difference is that I missed the officer uh, who, I forgot his name um, in real life, but the one who was basically hunting them down. I liked him a lot. I liked his perspective that they were the enemy because they killed his daughter. You know what I mean? And not them, but meaning mutants overall were a part of the, the reason his daughter was, you know, died tragically. And... That also is really disappointing to me because that takes away that perspective, that dynamic of, yes, you guys, you guys are innocent, but not everybody who's like you is innocent. And now I think that I don't understand what they're planning to do with this. I really don't. It's like a, it's not a whole new season, but I do feel that they lost well, a lot in translation. I, I mean, a whole, <laughs> I mean, a whole new, well, yeah, God darn it. I met a whole new uh, show. It is a new season, uh, but it just feels like they is a lot was lost in translation during the six month, you know, gap. So, Ellie, I mean, I, I don't feel like it's any different yet. I don't want to. I want to give them a little bit of the benefit of the doubt. We haven't given them much, and I'm going to offer them this teeny tiny morsel of it, and. 
it just it's very early in the season, so I'll give them I'll give them a little bit of a chance to to get away from the struckers a bit. I know that this is just the introduction and we're just moving in. So, you know, let's let them try and explore the others. But for now they're on very thin ice. <laughs> um we also get to see the lovely relationship um of Riva and the Hellfire Club. And that takes place immediately after this last season. And we get to see that initially. I appreciated Reva. Uh, I think she's beautiful. I think that she can control the room and has power. I appreciated seeing her in that light. We also get to see her brutality as she executes the Hellfire Club. When we see her, did you like her initial introduction? Ellie? Um... I liked, well, I liked the concept of the Hellfire Club, and I know that we kind of got into her powers last time, so am I allowed to jump into that now? Because that was the that was the main thing for me, I think. Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, okay. Well, since Adelaide jumped the shark, <laughs> um, Reva, uh, Reva is watching, um, like debating with the Hellfire Club, and then she basically says, "Well, we have to make sacrifices to get what we want," and kills all of the Hellfire Club. We don't know what her power is. She's, like, sucking energy or, like, she's voiding people. I don't know. I, I don't understand it. The only people who weren't affected were the triplets. So, like, is it isolationist? Is it general area of effect? Was it because they were outside of the table range? It's so many questions that we have. No, I totally think <laughs> it was a general area of effect power. Like, if she affects the entire area, she can also focus within that effect. It's like someone... Okay, I was going to say something disgusting. But I think that's what was going on. And they really need to explain the whole thing with the twins and her powers in general. Because I just, like, Triplets. it's so... Oh, whatever. Multiple. I... <laughs> <laughs> Like, I don't know. It is one person to me. I, no, that's offensive. Wow. Okay. Right. Like, that was very offensive. Listen, we appreciate I didn't your mean, independence triplets and multiple births. I'm saying because they have, like, the hive mind, it's like one person. Okay. I'm not trying to. Gosh darn you, Jasmine. Anyway, I'm done. Now I'm, I'm embarrassed. I hate you. Really? Nobody is going to, like, jump in here? I was okay. Googling her powers, and apparently, <laughs> according to the gifted, like, wiki fan page thing, it is a, the ability to generate a high note from her vocal cords that directly affects the brain's neurochemistry, painfully distorting perception of reality, calling, causing victims to experience dizziness and hallucinations. The note is beyond a, human's, a normal human's ability to detect sound. Okay, because I couldn't hear her when she was doing it. So I wonder if the reason why the triplets weren't affected is because their ability is whatever their ability is. What's their ability? They're again? like telepathy Mental. and mind control. So yeah, yeah I yeah, can so... understand if, if it's affecting the neurochemistry and they're like connected to her at the time, I could see that being the excuse as to why they weren't affected. Hmm. I feel like that's a cop out. I feel like I've been saying that a lot. I don't think so. I think that's pretty... I think that's a decent enough reason. Well, I feel I like now that we know that. what it is, it helps to, like, add validity to it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, were you saying something, Michelle? 
about Miss Reva? Um, uh, I'm trying to think. I know it's something that I wanted to mention, but I can't. Empire. Oh, yeah. I mean, now I call her Reva. Thanks a lot. But yeah, before it was Empire Girl because it's the only thing I knew her as. But oh, that's what it was. Now that I said girl. Why is it like it was really weird? Well, I'm okay with her killing everybody in that board meeting because it was very, very weird to me that the women I didn't even notice. Um, it was only two other women in there besides the triplets and Reva herself. And I sadly, I consider triplets one person, I just thought they were multiplying and trying to occupy more space. I was really confused in that moment. Like, why aren't you just one person? Like, it's really obnoxious that y'all taking up extra two seats for no reason. But now I realize they're triplets. Okay. Don't have multiple children, Michelle. Like, just have one. <laughs> just one at a time. Like, <laughs> I would have to because I really was confused. And mom was like, why are you guys taking them extra seats? Like, it's so rude. You're going to give them little sweaters with the letters on them. Oh, yeah. I probably would. Uh, anyway, so it was like really weird for her to be in a boardroom that was mostly men and them telling her that you need our approval for stuff. I don't know. It was like a weird dynamic for me. And I was okay for, with her like just destroying all of them and starting her own world because I really hate the idea. I mean, me personally, I hate the idea of answering someone, but I really hate the idea that in that moment, it looked like they were talking to her like she was crap because she was a woman. You know what I mean? How is well, that is at that all? The... Yeah, I think Jasmine and I are on the same page. How is that at, like, <laughs> different than life? like, yeah. Like that seemed dead on to me. I mean, it is true to life. So destroy it. I'm okay. Like overturn the system, people. That's so what I want to see. someone who was getting talked down to comes in and does a mass murder, just blame Michelle. Oh, no, no, no. I didn't know. <laughs> In real life, don't murder everyone. I said destroy the system. Agreed. That's totally different. I, I will say I agree. Viva la revolution. Don't murder, you know, wildly. 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 <laughs> be, be tamed in your murder, people. Very selective. To be very careful uh, about how you do it. And don't murder small animals. Yeah, especially that. They didn't, they're not part of the system. Don't worry about them. <laughs> Um, but, um, we find out that her ultimate goal is to create a sanctuary for mutants where they can live in freedom and peace. And as she discusses that, she also mentions that, like, she was, uh, she faced prejudice because of poverty, then her race, then, uh, being a mutant. And I personally... When I saw this, was like, I wonder if she's talking about actual racism or if she's talking about actual colorism. And Michelle and Adelaide quickly shot me down. So feel free to do so again, guys. You were totally wrong. There you go. <laughs> it, it was actual racism that she was referring to. And you got to think about the context. Like, I feel like you missed the context of the conversation. One, she was talking to a white lady. Like most, I, and I don't like most black people do not talk about colorism with white people because we look at that as an in-house issue. So there's that. Two, like we are, I think everyone is aware of racism, even though some people deny that it exists. Everyone is aware of racism and what it is. So why would she talk about something that's very specific to one community instead of something that's 
broadly affects just about everybody. Well, colorism affects all communities that are non-white. So Yeah, but nobody outside of those communities talked to it to white people from my understanding. I've never seen it. Like in any intellectual setting, I've never seen an actual conversation with white people about colorism because it doesn't involve it does involve them, but it doesn't, if that makes sense. Okay, Ellie, have you ever had a conversation about colorism? I was actually just coming in to, to say that. I <laughs> actually I have never had that and I have friends with multiple races and I've never had a conversation about colorism with them. So that it I'd be happy to, but at the same time, like they're not, if like if that's something they feel is within their their community, and I'm not privy to it, that's not a big deal to me. So I, that's why, and like I agree with Michelle, and then that in that that's probably why it's referring to racism. I think that it would have been a better conversation if she at least made it a point about because if we're being honest. It's very interesting to me that they did racism with a woman of her hue. Not to say that she doesn't face racism, but it's interesting to me that, because to me, as a person of color, I think colorism would have been a deeper, more character-developing issue. But again, I understand where they're coming from. Well, even within that, this is okay even within what you're saying she's a very fair-skinned woman so in the issue of colorism within the black community in particular she it wouldn't be something that she would talk about she wouldn't she wouldn't talk about it as as she suffered because within our community that group is held higher you know what i mean well i'm sure it's like okay can i interject for sure i'm sure people of a lighter hue would say that they have suffered I'm not saying that they wouldn't. I'm saying their response would be different about it. It's not like normally what God, I hate having this conversation, especially since we don't have any light skinned people on a podcast. But <laughs> basically, light skinned people overall, like women in particular, their issue is that they feel like they get singled out by darker darker skinned girls because apparently there's jealousy involved or, you know, something like that. Whereas when it's a darker skinned girl who is talking about it, it's more, uh, a, not just an issue of jealousy, but a lack of respect, a lack of worth. You know what I mean? So it's like a totally different dynamic. I don't feel like if that was, if you were a light skinned person in that instance, that would have been something that would be weighing so heavily on you that you had to mention it alongside of all the other prejudice prejudices that you face. Does that, I mean, well, do you think that racism would be as heavy for a person of her hue? That's my yes, problem. yes, mm. yes, I do. I think, like, I definitely think somebody of her who, especially if she considers herself black, I mean, she's very light, of course, but if she considers herself black and everyone knows that, people treat you differently. So, it, it's just maybe the degree will be different, but. I don't know. I don't think they were thinking that through. I honestly don't think this episode, this whole thing was written by any black people or any people of color, if I'm being honest with you. So I think their perspective is going to be a little different. And also remember that X-Men started off um, as an analogous of the civil rights movement. So, hey, she's part black, so she automatically is going to have that you know, perspective. It's not, it's not going to be a nuanced showing of colorism, racism, white supremacy, none of that stuff is going to be within the X-Men. It's going to be a very bare bones, basic 
explanation of what those things are. Well, I think that's my issue. And I think that's what I'm having trouble reconciling with. Because we are, when the X-Men came out, it made sense to paint with broad strokes. But we are in a different era where broad strokes don't work as well. Where we want to see the actual dynamics of these characters and how this this race or poverty or whatever has affected their lives. And it's very interesting to me that instead of taking the role of this is how um, it affected me, they use it as a throwaway line or a throwaway um, conversation. Well, I don't think they do that. I, I don't think they necessarily do that. If you notice, most of the mutants that they showcase are mutants of color. The ones who are being attacked by the police are mostly mutants of color. So, mm. I mean, season, yeah. mm. I'm like, just saying, like, I don't know. Adelaide, what are your thoughts on this whole thing? Um, I, I mean, I can't weigh in too much because I don't have the experience to. Um, but I will say okay, that I Adel- like- you can weigh in <laughs> from your unique perspective. Exactly. I was about to say that. <laughs> like, it's all from your perspective. We're not saying, hey, Adelaide, become black for a second. <laughs> <laughs> I, no, don't. That would be that would be me talking in places that I would not be able to. Um, so I feel like I feel like they were probably def- I mean they were probably going for the racism aspect of it because they still are trying to paint with broad strokes. And one of the things your conversation made me wonder is that was their acting choice and with Riva was is that something that should be addressed? It, did they pick somebody that was African American but not you know too dark in that case? Is that something that you guys like? In your opinions, would that be something that they're going for if you're bringing up colorism at all? I don't. Yeah, go ahead, Jasmine. Well, I would say I think that Michelle is right in the fact that I'm looking deeply at this because I expect it better. And even as a second time around, in my head, I still feel like that should have been a, a moment of colorism and it would have been better if she was talking to someone else. Which I completely agree that she probably couldn't have had a colorism conversation. Or maybe she could have. Maybe this could have been the opening door to have a conversation with people who are not of color, quote unquote, that don't understand colorism necessarily. Mm-hmm. Well, how would she relate that to Lorna? Well, like she's like she completely tossed it away. She's like, I've had people in my community reject me, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, but how would that? How would Lorna understand? Because her friends are like ultimately rejecting her decision. How that's not like my point. All right, so I don't think that conversation should be had with Lorna to start off. I think like that's something. Yeah, probably not to start. Yeah, like I mean, I'm not a person who shies away from racial, you know, discussions about race with other groups of people. I don't have a problem with that. But that is a learning experience for both sides of, you know, the issue. It's learning what the other person thinks about what their concept of racism and race is. You know what I mean? And I don't think in that instance it would have been appropriate to have that conversation because that would have been way out of left field. It really would have. It really would have. Like, that would have side-blinded me, you know, as a person who's a part of the community like the, uh, as far as race goes now you know i'm not a mutant that's all also saying like how would you explain to lorna how that dynamic how colorism works without having a way to relate to it 
in the mutant sense. You know what I mean? Like, because, like, how well, would you... And you would relate it because some mutants are considered more favorable than others, if we're being honest. Okay, some so you're saying yeah. the ones who look more human. Okay, yeah, okay. So, yeah, she could have yeah. she could have done that. Yeah, okay. <laughs> now, now that I remember that, yeah, that's fine. Okay, so they could have had that conversation, but I think you're giving them too much credit. That's not something that's going to happen. And it definitely shouldn't happen between those two people in that instance. I think if I wanted to see that discussion done on TV, I want to see it done right. And Between, like, Blink and um, her boyfriend now, John? Yeah, yeah. Her having to uh, wear Actually, that would have been, yeah, that would have been a great time when she, like, because she even... Uh, I didn't even think about that, but that would have been a great point where she's like, why do I have to look like this? I can't even do what I need to do. <sighs> also, why is it, and I don't I don't know if I was the only one who remembered this because I just remembered it, but why is the Native American man attractive? Thank you. I've been saying that since season one. <laughs> That's been driving I know, me I was about to say, wall. Adelaide's been saying that. <laughs> like that's been that's been driving me insane since the like the episode one when we first saw him i'm like why why would you give the native american guy the tracker and then name him something so stereotypical like thunderbird thunder like well is he native american yeah i mean the actor oh i don't know oh i don't know i'm not sure Uh, yeah we're doing research guys like everything's done on the fly (laughs) well thanks for asking a question that we needed to research michelle I mean, I'm curious because that's another issue within, like, the world that yeah, Native Americans don't get to play Native mm-hmm. American roles. I mean, so, Well, I'm he's curious. played quite a few Native Americans, so. I mean, he that doesn't mean anything. There's, right now, there's a, um, I think he's a Korean guy or, or Phil, I don't know. He's a, um East Asian guy, and he's playing, like, a, a Spanish dude on The Good Place. Not Spanish, really? I'm sorry, Mexican or something like that. Yeah. So, I'm like, okay. Hmm. That's what they're doing. What do you mean, really? You thought he was. And I was like, Jasmine, no, that man is clearly Asian. Um, this one no. says, first of all, he's got a great name, Blair Redford. That's an awesome name. Um, yeah. Yeah, he's got some Native American in there. It's Irish, French, German, and Native American, according to his... Um, is it enough to put on like a, na- a form and get like the benefits of being Native American? Is the question. I don't know. They're not giving I mean, me the exact I... percentages. Like, <laughs> I wish. Like, I mean, I'm talking about for me. I only got five percent. So right. That's why I'm asking. I, I like. <laughs> I would totally right now. <laughs> yeah, give me them benefits. No. All right. So next topic, Jasmine. Uh. Let's t- well, I think we should continue along the path of Blink and John uh, and her putting in the context. Because there's a point in this season, I mean this episode, where Blink puts in context so she can look more human and blend in. Which was weird to me, because, I mean, once again, we had this con- we had a conversation about the development of her character from season one to season two. But what was weird to me, now that we thought, now that we mentioned the whole context thing, didn't she, wasn't she blatantly opposed to appearing more quote-unquote human yes. in the first season yes, so she, she wouldn't cover up anything and now she's just easily putting in context and covering up her scar with makeup well she's complaining about it but no yeah she's complaining about it but she's not like before she was like a staunch no this is not happening i will never hide the fact that i'm a mutant and now she's like okay sure i mean i don't like it but no she wasn't complaining even in that instance she wasn't complaining about having to hide anything 
She was complaining about something else. I can't remember. I can't recall at the moment. She was complaining because she couldn't actually see the gates to get out. Yeah, that. but that's not really complaining about being proud to be a mutant, whether or not. Th- that's the shift in, in the development. I mean, that's the shift in the story, I feel like. Because before, they were really pro-mutant. Like, being proud to be a mutant in the face of adversity. And now, it's like... All of that's gone. All of that is gone now. Like, what are you... I don't understand what's going on. I really don't. I'm really confused about where the story is going. I'm confused where we are in this story. I feel like they don't understand what character development is. And they're just throwing different changes onto these characters. Saying, oh yes, they have changed their minds. They have they have developed as characters. And it's, it's progression. No, it's not progression. It's just randomly assigning a trait to them. And without any without even taking the steps to get there and it makes no sense and it just shows them as as weaker characters yeah that's definitely true because like now that we mentioned it i didn't realize the like i didn't even remember that but let's slide along to her relationship with john um blink is now in a committed relationship with john they're together we did not get to see the transformation between i don't know if my feelings are real to I am in love with you in order to have sex with me do the dishes. See? They don't know how to do character development. They don't know <laughs> what they're doing. So, um, let's go to Michelle. What did you think about that transition? Did you miss it? Were you feeling like you're missing out? Because I know I personally was. I was missing out on how you got from A to F. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I wasn't missing I I wasn't missing it. Oh, once again, repeating. So for the first um, time we recorded this, I said that I didn't care. Honestly, I didn't because I didn't remember it. And I think that that's what they were expecting. Like how you right now, Justin, just said that you didn't remember her being against covering up her mutant, you know, side. So I really don't. I forgot a lot. And I'm wondering if the writers forgot a lot, too. I mean, I'm thinking that's what's happened because, yeah, it was no character development. And now that when you guys brought it back up, like all the things that took place between her and Dreamer and her and John. Yeah, I think there should have been some like some way of explaining to us what happened between those two points to make her feel comfortable with the fact that she is in love with John and not knowing how much Dreamer had a role in that. You know what I mean? So, I don't know. Uh, Adelaide, anything else you want to add? Um, they're bad at what they do, and they need to hire better writers. Okay. Well, let's... All three of us are available. Guys, <laughs> you know. Fox, well, Disney, sis, you and know. And we do. Oh, care. great. And now I'm wondering what's going to happen now that Disney owns the station. They're going to start singing. No. It's going to be very PG. Like, no problems are not going to be solved without a family hug. Do you think that's the reason why they took all the discussion out of, um, like, all the adversity out of the season of X-Men? Like, because they're really not talking about them being, basically, the prejudice. They're not really talking about the prejudice against mutants at this point. Do you think that's because of Disney's buyout? Definitely. Or, I mean, and that's also the reason why they released a PG-13 version of Deadpool. 
feel like we still need to give them a little bit more time on this because it's still episode one. So I, I'm willing to give them a little bit more of a, of a buffer zone to prove that they're not totally incompetent. I don't know. It just, it bothers me because they were so, it was so prevalent in the first episode of season one. And I'm thinking you would just carry that through. I don't know. Maybe they will do a lot of uh, flashbacks, which is what they did the first season. So maybe that's what we'll get. Mm. Um, Let's move right along to the fact that John and Blink have a freaking dog. And they should not have a dog. Because they are felons who cannot successfully take care of this dog. This dog will be neglected and I am very concerned for its welfare. That that silence that you heard, Jasmine, that's us saying this is not a big deal. Move on. That's exactly what that means. Move on, Miss Wilson. I don't know. Italy didn't say anything. That was the point. <laughs> Are you co-signing with me, Adelaide? I'm just saying, <laughs> if they have the means to take care of it through their like community center, go- like life going on there then i don't care as long as it's food is is as long as it is food and its vet bills are covered i don't care boo both of you boo so anyway mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. don't you mm-hmm me back you're <laughs> <laughs> gonna try to do it longer mm-hmm. whatever <laughs> Next topic, please. Uh, so I was about to jump over to the next topic. Um, let's talk about Polaris and her family worries. So this season we see Polaris. We can talk about her as a whole, but I want to focus initially on her family worries. She's like, I want to be surrounded by family. I thought this child would be surrounded by family. Uh, Marcos is not there, and she basically misses him. But who knows? Like, if that is a coupling that will last. I personally. We'll tell you my opinion later on when we get to Marcos. And so will everyone else. So, no. Yes. Let's talk about this now. No. So my feelings about this is what? I feel like you should feel like you want to talk about this later. This sounds so abusive, by the way. <laughs> this is how she talks to me. I feel like you know you want to talk about this later because if you don't or else. <laughs> that was the underlying threat there. No, it wasn't. There was no threat. You're just talking I mean, about Polaris and her family worries. Close enough at this point. Her family worries <laughs> include Marcos. You may as well just go into it at this point. You let it. Thank you. Thank uh, you. Fine. Beat me down. Why don't you go, Michelle? Talk about whatever you want. This podcast really is off have... the rails. Wow. I really didn't have anything to say. I was just messing with you. But yeah, I think that we should talk about them together because their story is too entwined not to. All right, so <clears throat> with the whole situation with Polaris or Lorna and Marcos and Light Hands, I really am confused. Like, first of all, I don't think he's a good dad. This entire situation with them two this season, it made me dislike Marcos. Um, well, even though in the first season I liked him, I liked that he was fighting for his family, that he was fighting for, you know, the woman that he loved. He was fighting for his unborn child. But at this point, once the mother rejected you, it irritated me that he was so fixated on finding her for her. 
and not as much for finding a child. I mean, he did mention it, but I felt deep down in my core that he was really just trying to find Lorna. And I mentioned it before. It was very similar how they set it up. It gave me the vibes of um, a woman who is running away from an abusive relationship and is trying to like escape that. And he's just trying to hunt her down any way that he can because that's his family. They need to be together. And I don't, I don't know. It bothered me. And it made me feel like the quote unquote heroes of this series, the people who are supposed to basically be a part of the Charles Xavier group were in fact the villains. They, I really can't stand characters who not only think that they're right, but try to bully other people into their mindset um, under the guise that they're right. Whereas with, let's say, um, Magneto and what's uh, what's the name? Reva. They know what they're doing is terrible things, but they're like, you know what? I'm doing it for the greater good for, I mean, what I'm doing. Yes, I think I'm right, but I know what I'm doing to achieve it isn't the right way of doing it, but it's the most effective way of doing it. I'd rather you admit your faults than to be in this mindset that, I mean, to be in such a in, in such a mindset that no one can convince you of what you're doing. I don't know. It's just, it's really weird. He's very pigheaded. I'm done. <sighs> okay. So, since you guys didn't get my version of last time, I love Marcos. I think he is a calming version on his mentally unstable girlfriend. I think that she needs Marcos to be her guide in light. Metaphorically and literally. No. Marcos is, in essence, he is the current to her rod. And similarly to Andy and Lauren, they complement each other. So I think that it's very interesting that she decides that she can't be with uh, with him because he's not strong enough to see the vision that she has. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> I like I like them together. I I think that they should be a family because that to me is a decent relationship and it's worth saving. But that's not what she wants. So should you force someone to be in a relationship with you? Can she reasonably decide what she wants? Because she yes, she can. She yes, she can. Like because somebody, that's a major factor. That's a major factor in her story and development. So the question becomes: She's bipolar. She is, She's she, bipolar. That's not a, a situation where you can't make decisions. You're not mentally. In, I thought you're she not had impaired. a few other things wrong with her. I don't they, remember. Um, I don't remember any of that. They even talked about. Uh, um, they're going to talk about her origins. Her problem. Her origin story is supposed to be coming out in this season too. We're going to figure out all of the problems that she has. She's like been abused and a bunch. Okay, of- so do you think that is somebody who is who's been abused should be forced to be in a relationship with someone they don't want to be with because that person think that they're, they're good for them? I don't think that he's forcing her, but he's trying. One, he's trying to make sure his child is okay. Because she is mentally unstable. I think she is bipolar. Like, I feel like, I I don't, I really feel like you're going overboard with the mentally unstable. She's not schizophrenic. She's not, she doesn't have um, a multiple personality disorder. 
she doesn't have a blackout. Like, I don't know why you're making it sound like she because is I, not. I'm, uh, the reason I'm saying this is because I feel like they they either said it or hinted that she had other problems. They at least and, like, in the first her season. manic episodes can be very manic. Okay, even in that case, her choice not to be with him is her choice. Now, if he wants to fight for custody of a child, I'm all for that. I'm as always felon, for that. As a wanted felon, he's supposed to go to court. Yup, you shouldn't have been a wanted felon. <laughs> like, you're not gonna, I don't care if he takes the child from her. Honestly, I thought he was stupid for trying to find her while she was pregnant. He should have waited until the child was born. It'll be easier to kidnap the kid then, first of all. Two, he keeps, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Two, why do you need her? Like, if his focus was, I want my kid, I want my kid, I want my child, I would be absolutely fine with that. But his focus is on Lorna. And that's what I have the issue with. She doesn't want you. Leave her alone. And Lorna is a better, like I said before, Lorna is a better protector. I think she can take care of that kid a lot better than he ever could. He's not in a situation where I think mentally he could father a child. I think he's too much of a child himself at this point. He doesn't even understand the situation that they're in as mutants fully. See, I agree, at least to an extent. I feel like he doesn't have the capacity to... He, he can barely lead the little group that they've got going now. There's no way he could, he could parent a child effectively and do that. And, like, as for the whole should Lorna be with him because he's her guiding light thing, I, don't, I mean, that's her choice, ultimately. I don't care if they're together one way or the other. Um, I just feel like the main reason for sticking them together is, at this moment, the child. And that's all they're trying to focus on. Why do you guys hate love? I will move right along. I will move right along. Why do you hate agency, Jasmine? How is this love? She doesn't. It's not. No, this is love. We saw it in the first season. They spent the whole first season building up their love. Yeah, and then they also spent the second half of the season tearing it apart. Mm. I don't know. Like I'm noticing a, a a habit that you have, Jasmine. What habit? Your habit of uh, wanting abusive relationships to last. Oh, please. You're doing it with Lorna and Marcos. You did it with Jennifer and Khalil. I was about Kazim. Khalil. Like, I mean, I'm waiting for the next one for you to say, oh, yeah, they help each other out. They balance it out each other's crazy. No. No, I don't think Marcus Marcos is crazy. I think that he is devastated by the loss of the woman he loves and his child. But we've spent too much time on this. So let's move right along to Polaris having a preterm contraction. And then she is put into a plastic bubble to give birth. So um, during that time, uh, she's giving birth and she's creating power surges um, along the way so that... Uh, Marcos is basically following the breadcrumbs with John and Kate to find the child. And at the end of the episode, we're hoping beyond hope that he gets to the child. And sadly, he doesn't. I was that. I was sad. I was really sad for um for Marcos, and I feel like his friends let him down. Uh, throughout this whole episode. I feel like they were not what he needed them to be. And the only people who were actively searching for his child was him and Kate. And the Kate was just a byproduct because she wanted her child. 
But what were your thoughts? Um, Adelaide, I'll start with you. I actually was glad that he didn't get there because it would have been way too coincidental. It would have been way too perfect timing for them to have him appear at, I mean, like as, as much as the trail would have led him there, it still would have been way too convenient for him to show up in the first episode in the series, in the season when we've already established that they're trying to stay, that at least she's trying to stay away from him. And she doesn't want him around. It would be way too easy for him to appear in the first episode. And I was I was glad that he didn't get there. And, like, I want to... My other stuff goes over, like, the birth stuff, so I'll wait until you get to that. <sighs> okay. So, as I was watching, I was like, okay. I'm about to get to you, Michelle. <laughs> <laughs> but I just wanted to say that... I agree, and it's very interesting to me that they had this scene for you to root for him. However, they didn't actually allow you to get that satisfaction, if you get what I'm saying. Um, Michelle, what were your thoughts? My thoughts was I wasn't rooting for him. I find it really interesting that you were rooting for him, whereas I was sitting here like, please do not find her. Please let her escape him. Please, like, she just needs peace and quiet. Please do not do this to her. That was my thoughts. Like, I, my heart was pounding because I was afraid for Lorna. I really was. Her mentally, I, I couldn't, I could not, I was not rooting for him. He just, he is a villain to me. I'm sorry. Um, What was your question, though? Jasmine? What were your thoughts on the whole scene? Um, did you like that he didn't get there? Were you upset? about um Lorna being put into the bubble it was a few questions oh the only thing that in that whole situation besides me being happy that he didn't find her not be yeah it would have been too great of a coincidence but it's more of a coincidence for me that they were able to locate them in DC the first episode like you you narrowed down the city that quickly you knew exactly where they were going to be. Uh, any well, they, city they mentioned that they were looking for them for six months and they had followed them all over the country exactly so for a shadow organization who's supposed to make people disappear they found them very fast that's the only thing i'm saying but as far as um that whole scene goes the only thing that stuck out to me is the fact that her powers like that little uh plastic cage did nothing like i thought i mean at least with magneto he couldn't use anything within that that uh, plastic cell that he was in. That was it. He, it's not like he can go through the cell and grab well, something. Well, in all fairness, they did labor. say... Well, no, not just that. In all fairness, in the movie that you're referencing, Michelle, he had like six or eight um, levels of just plastic between him and the next thing of Matt. There were two movies where they had that, and that wasn't the case for both of them. And I will say that hmm. season one one of the first episodes with her captured and held in like a plastic area, she couldn't use anything. She couldn't even reach out through the, like through the plastic layers in the car she was in. Yeah. Cause Brie was in there taunting her. So yeah, it's really weird. Now all of a sudden her powers grew so much that while she couldn't affect anything well, in the bubble, she could affect play everything advocate, out of the bubble. It's her power and her child. So she, the child is amplifying her power. Yeah, I don't, I don't believe that. Yeah, Thanks I'm to a, labor. I'm not a fan of that, personally. But <laughs> I think they did it for the drama of the 
of the labor scene, honestly. Okay, speaking of the labor scene, did you appreciate the fact that while Lorna was in late Lorna? Lorna? Lorna. Lorna was in labor. Labor. Lorna was in labor. <laughs> that she had a mental block that prevented her from being able to give birth. Because I've never heard of this. Never once. And I I used to be very fond of the birthing channel. So, what are we talking about here? No, I hated this. I hated every second of this. This mental block. You're not dilating because you're mentally blocked. Shut up. That is not how childbirth works. You be quiet. And by the way, C-sections, they are a thing. Michelle? I don't know. I think it's actually a thing. Uh, I never heard of it, but I, I just <laughs> I decided, you know, take it upon myself to uh, look it up, see what's out there. And, um... It looks like, I mean, it, at the very least, it could block your fertility. Uh, I'm do seeing mental block, like somebody at least uh, put up a help for a mental block preventing labor uh, and needing positive, you know, affirmations. I, I really don't, I guess it is a thing. I, uh, I'm hearing that it's I not. I'm hearing that it may affect your fertility. But I'm not hearing that it affects your actual. Yeah, I don't think it can. Well, the, it can alter the progression of labor. Right. You can have a really slow labor that then puts the puts the baby in danger and puts the mother in danger, which is I think what they were trying to go for, but they wanted it to be some sort of special mutant mental block thing instead. Okay. Did you find anything else or? Well, basically, like I said, it's like a whole message board from 2010 of women talking about this issue. Yeah, but are they? Are okay, they so, so it's older than three years. That's invalid, though. by the way. They're saying, <laughs> they're saying, like basically, the question is, um, uh, can you have a mental block, and can that prevent you uh, get in the way of your labor, and how to get around those walls? And then, like, it's like literally a, a long thread of women going back and forth about that topic. Like, I've never been pregnant. I don't know. But, yeah, when I first heard about it, I'm like, that's, that's ridiculous. I mean, it, it, but if it's true, it's true. I don't know. I, that's the only thing I'm saying. If the all these women are asking about it, something's happening. But I don't know if that is exactly what's happening. Yeah, I don't know. I'm hesitant to believe the mental block thing. I know that, like, labor can progress incorrectly. It can be slow. It can be... Uh, and then, like, referencing fertility is that, you know, stress can alter that. Stress can alter how you ovulate. And all of that can be, like, you can have, like, I'm not saying your mental state cannot affect how you physically, like, it can, it can affect your reproductive system and it can mess it the hell I'm up. Going, but I'm going to read this woman's okay, comment. All right. I'm not going to say her name. She says, I totally, be I totally believe in fear holding back birth. During my last birth, I was tense and scared. And then I suddenly had this thought, it's okay, let this happen. And the baby literally slid out from me after that. I was tense and holding him back. That's her, you know, her thoughts on it. So I don't, I mean, this is from 2010. So it's not like all of a sudden everybody's thinking about it because this show brought up the topic. So if this is the case, I mean, this is their experience. I don't know. 
fallen back on my... Okay, well, since none of us have children or are about to give birth anytime soon, let's just stroll along. Yeah. But feel free to let us know in the comments if you have a differing opinion or if you have a story that's not the one that Michelle just read. Um, who else are we missing for this season? Um, no one. We're missing no one. Yes, we are. Sentinel, sir. We're missing Christina. Thank you for who? not being helpful. Who is Christina? A new mutant that was saved in one of the. Oh, books. I keep forgetting her. Every time we bring her up, my question is, who is that? Wow. Mm, Christina is a new mutant who comes along because she's looking for her sister. Her sister is basically. Um, is she supposed to be a main character? Because I feel like she's not. I feel like she will be. Yeah, I feel like she's gonna. I be feel like she's occurring at least. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think she's gonna be like the Winslow daughter, where she just goes upstairs one day and never come back down. I really don't think she's gonna be here long term, or even multiple times. I think maybe like not multiple, maybe like three times. I didn't mean multiple, but like three times at the most. Not a regular. I mean, they, they as... gave her a name, so she's got some some importance there. Yeah, it's just like when you name an animal. Once you name it, you can't kill it. Jeez. The people, people I know who work that on farms their, do it all the yeah, time. Yeah, the people I know that name their cows hamburger would disagree with you. That's so hurtful. That poor hamburger. That poor delicious hamburger. Ew! <laughs> You're doing God's work, promise. So what about this, Christina? Um, she is a girl who they find when they are doing the central services raids and they're trying to save. Uh, she's looking for her little sister. And question, question. Anybody care about her? I feel like she will be an important character later on, which is why we're mentioning her. Maybe for Andy. I like, I really don't see me. I don't see her or Lorna if Lorna turns out to be a lesbian. But I think that she's just going to be a romantic interest to somebody. You mean by because she was dating a guy? I think she means. Oh. Uh, did you mean Lorna? Or did you mean Lorna? Was she dating a guy? Oh, yes, I meant Lorna. Lorna. Had... Oh, okay. Well, she's also interested <laughs> well, in that one guy. Right, like no the, the guy who... On Fox Network, duh. Mm. Oh, wow. I don't. I really don't see any importance of her. Like, she irritated me. Literally, like, I don't have my notes with me right now, but I literally remember writing down, why didn't you just pick up the chair and throw it out the window? You were struggling so long to pick it up with your powers. Just pick up the freaking chair and throw it. It's a light chair. I, I, I know I'm not going to like her. I know I'm not. She has no logic. She doesn't. I'm sorry. Hmm. Well, also this season, Andy was there. That's all the notes I have for Andy. Uh, anyone else want to say anything about Andy? Great. So we also have last thing I'm going to talk about. The hacker, the computer hacker. Uh, who was a mutant and was also on drugs. Did you like the villain of the week set up with this villain? Um, he Adelaide? wasn't a villain. Eh. Like, you're doing, you're giving him a little too much credit. He was just a weasel that they were using. Yeah, I didn't see Probably. him as a villain either. I actually, he kind of bugged me. The, I think the main importance of that scene was uh, Kate? Yes, Kate. Yeah. Uh, Kate's use with the gun and her very clear intent to use it. Which I think is probably the most obvious, actually decently written character development they've had. I don't know. Like, in that moment, I just looked at her as being crazy. 
So if they wanted to develop her to be crazy, I'm okay with that. Like, I was so over her. I thought she was completely irrational in that whole sequence of events. It's just, she wasn't using her head, in my opinion. No one uses so, her yeah, head I guess, in the show. Yeah. Can we pick shows that we like? <laughs> it started out promising. Well, initially we did like this. Why do they ruin everything that starts off good? Like, I really think I liked the first four episodes, and then after that, it just went downhill. Because it started focusing on the Struckers hardcore. Mm. Oh. Oh. <laughs> That's it for this show. I, I have nothing else to talk about. No one else mattered. No one else made me care about them. Did you guys have anyone else that you wanted to mention? You just made me depressed. That's I all. can barely Thank remember you, their names. Why would I want to, like... I, there's no way there's, I've got someone else to talk about. You know okay. what? I have someone else to talk about. Granddaddy Strucker. Don't you guys miss him? Like, how was his... Uh, like, when he was a... Uh, um, I want to say a... What kind of scientist was Gotta he? Gotta be a genetic. genetic. Yeah, mm-hmm. he was a geneticist. And I'm just sitting here like... How much of a failure were you at it? All right. Thank you guys for another episode <laughs> of Geeks of the Machine. I was your host, Jasmine. And co-hosting, we had no one? Adelaide? Hey. I don't remember. <laughs> I'm trying to remember who's... I'm sorry. Like, co-hosting, Adelaide's we had the Adelaide. Co-host. Um, Michelle was a guest host. Yes, I was a guest. Uh, uh, we love Adelaide. Adelaide is a very valuable part of the team. <laughs> um, There's no face cam, but you can. I can assure you I'm doing the... The sad eyes right now. I, I could feel I it. I felt it. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I actually forgot. We love Adelaide. Don't take this out of context. Um, you can visit this website at overpowerentertainment.com. You can visit Adelaide, who we love, at OP underscore Addie. You can visit me at OP Jasmine. And lastly, you can visit Michelle at the Queen Kwan Nia. Feel free to tweet the site at Real OP Tweets. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Questions, comments, concerns, feel free to leave them or tweet us. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye. Bye.